Welcome to Critical Ditto, uh, a Pokemon role-playing podcast, which I like, I hope you like. Another person who likes it, also hopefully, is the person next to me on the computer screen, Ali Hill. That is correct, Stu. I can confirm that I also do like it. And that is good, because I play Kenny Mullet, the empathetic yet haunted sweetheart of the Sifloatzels. Alongside Kenny on his mission to find out more about his weird powers, he has his best friends, Bowtie the Dartrix, Mustache the Magikarp, Hoops the Salandit, Fedora the Hunchcrow, and a mysterious egg that is waiting to evolve. Alongside Ali and his team of beloved friends who support him at all times is the incredibly mercenary but slowly redeemed Pokemon instructor Theo, who after... <laughs> After formally failing to win a single battle for most of the first season, has has swung back into success in Arc 2 with a series of victories that would leave Tyler himself blushing. On Theo's team, we have uh, Meditite, who has no name, the newly named Hillary the Swadloon, the sometimes referred to as Cabbage the Kabuto, we have Togekiss, we have Barbarical, and we have Jason the Combi. And my name's Tom, and I do like the podcast a lot. Brandy, I think, would hate it if she were listening to it, but she hates everything. But what she doesn't hate is Wimpy, the Baneeri, Gary, the Scroopy, Snorleone, the Munchlax, and I think she hates Bunnelby, but she's got Bunnelby. And she's looking to become the Pokemon champion, the first ever pink-haired Pokemon champion. I'm dropping that right now, Stu. How do you deal with it? Uh, I deal with it by saying I really like it, Tom, (laughs) just like I like this podcast. And do you know what else I like? Finding out what happened last time. Previously on Critical Ditto. Theo and Enya squaring up to one another. A cosmos of nature has appeared around Swaddle. Sends this hailstorm of leaves at Lantern, who is thrown back against the far wall. You see Swaddle start to glow. Swaddle itself is cocooned. Or should I say swadlooned? I think I finally want to nickname a Pokemon. Lovely to meet you. Hillary. Theo takes Enya's hand. You don't happen to have a way of getting into the S-Train lounge, do you? Brandy, you are led to the very front of the train. It's like you've stepped inside a giant metallic volcano. Reporter Ulmer steps forward with a slight frame. If you would be willing to just grant me a little interview, go into a, a little more detail about how horrible it was to be attacked by a poker-powered. Ulmer opens the case to reveal this incredible sum of money. I don't ask these things lightly. This train is about to be attacked! And I point directly at this electrode, looking exploding. This is it, Melissa. You have to do what you think is right for our family. I don't even know what you are, whether you are dangerous, but you are my brother, and I stick by my family. Hammersplat turns around to face the room, lifts their head. It's the face of Taronius Chunder. Gas starts to pour into the room of the S-Class train lounge. The Nautilus assault has begun. A young Arnod paced nervously behind the hastily erected stage in front of Piranar Station. A Meltan perched on his shoulder rubbed his temples in an attempt to soothe the obviously nervous man. You'll be luminous, Arnod. Reporter Ulmer, younger but still waif-like and with their customary white and black streaked hair, spoke in a soft measured tone. Arnod glanced around the scaffolding at the assembled Formian press. 
There must be fifty or so reporters here, he thought, as his stomach twisted. Don't focus on them. Focus on the marvel of transportation that you are presenting to this region. This is history in the making, Arnard. The largest passenger train the Pokemon world has ever seen. It puts Kanto's inter-region magnet train to shame. Arnod could not meet the eyes of Ulma, despite them being a fair amount shorter than the muscular red-headed man. It's just... the concerns about how the train will be powered. The plans to expand. They're all valid. Ulma smiled and rested a delicate thin hand on Arnod's enormous shoulders. Meltan shuddered as the hand passed close to them. Ulma noticed and seemed to lock eyes with the Meltan before they spoke. You'll find a way, Arnod. Although Ulmer's tone was reassuring, there was an icy sharpness with which they delivered a finality to the conversation. Arnod knew he could not and should not argue further. Arnod gulped. He looked to Meltan, whose small singular metallic eye blinked with supportive warmth. Arnod allowed himself a small inward smile. He was not alone. Not with Meltan with him. Together the pair would find a way to make this work. And Hasvan... My father has prepared them, yes. They're all friends of the Delagraph anyway. No probing questions. Just read the statement and enjoy the softballs. Alma went to leave before turning with a half-smile. Oh, and good luck, Arnod. Arnod allowed himself to relax just a fraction. He turned his gaze away from the assembled press and back towards the hulking behemoth that loomed over Piranal Station, the Nadorient Express. Maiden voyage. A wave of emotion punched his gut and he felt tears of pride sting the corners of his eyes. This was his moment, his mechanical magnum opus. He would make it work. Today was the day the Nadorint Express's wheels turned for the first time, and in that moment he vowed that as long as he was in control, they would never stop rolling. He took a deep breath, forced a large smile, and strode out onto the stage. so much to pass there there's some bits and pieces but for now we're going to start there we're going to start in the furnace I thought you were going to say we're going to start 20 years ago we are going to start 20 years ago <laughs> you're on the stage rip up your character sheet Tom you're playing report number one <laughs> you are report number four can my reporter be taking the ninja playbook please thank you of course ninja reporter okay and we're going to start with a question from ninja reporter thank you <laughs> uh, can anyone see me that's the ninja reporter's question <laughs> no we cannot good you are completely hidden the ninja reporter appears just to slap someone in the face. Reporter four. Oh! <laughs> I'm playing the noble class. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want more great classes like these, check out the Critical Ditto Hack of Monster of the Week on our Discord. Right, so we're going to start in the furnace. So, just to remind us exactly where we left off last time, Brandy had been offered a large amount of money, had rejected it, and then had pointed out the electro that was placed underneath the Meowstic Lady in the furnace, looking unstable, sparking, looking as if it's about to explode momentarily. So we'll cut straight back in, I think. What are you What are you pointing at? That! Whatever that is! And, and Brandy stumbles and just grabs her Pokedex 
points it at Electrode. It's too, it's too hot in here. It's really warm. What, what kind of, what, do you have a temperature setting? Yeah, you need to put me in the fridge if I overheat. <laughs> and uh, and I, I feel oh, like it's happening. The screen's going off. Is there a fridge anywhere? Is there a fridge? Um, sorry, we... We we do have a mini fridge, but it's it's currently filled with our Pokedexes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what what when was this a rule? This didn't come with a handbook, all right. Just tell me what that Pokemon is. All right, all right. We have approximately thirty seconds before I burn up. That is an electrode. It's it's super sparky. I know I said we have thirty seconds, but I do need to Bulbapedia it. <laughs> what you're telling me? You access an exter- a, a third party website? You you don't need to know about this. What are you doing with my data then? Hold on, I signed your- a form. That was like all of my details, and you're telling me you're giving that over to Bulbapedia? Who are oh, they? Bulbapedia. No, I, I signed up for a whey protein subscription as well. <laughs> what are you trying to say about my arms? No, it's for me. It's for me. It's for you. Well, it might make you at yeah. least a bit heat resistant if you've got some muscle. Clearly, you're just an absolute thin mess. All right. Well, if you stop, if you stop body shaming me, I'm going to tell you what it is now. You're a rectangle. <laughs> it stores electric energy under very high pressure. It often explodes with little or no provocation. Okay, that sounds really bad. And you know what I'm going to do? Thank you, Pokedex, for that information. You're welcome. Brandy puts puts the Pokedex away, feeling like that was a good interaction. Stop me if I'm wrong here, but what what is going on? Is that is that electrode looking like it's going to explode? That electrode looks like it's about to explode. I mean, can I... Do you want to ass- assess the situation? Check a place out. That feels like a good roll. Let's do that. You are rolling plus sharp, I believe. Okay. Uh, that is the one, isn't it? Brandy is plus one in sharp. Rolling my two d6s. Ah, uh, boy. <laughs> no. Brandy, <laughs> Brandy marks some experience. Oh, no, <laughs> Brandy, no. Straight five, off the bat. Five plus one, so a six. Oh, that's not a good start. Oh. I'm amazed that you can't assess the situation. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what's brutal to me though is like, what other hard move can I make here other than making it explode? Bam. Okay. So, oh my goodness. So what happened? So you're holding up the Pokedex and realise that you've spent long, way longer than thirty seconds. Yeah. Bradley says, "Okay, I'm assessing the situation here, and I think the most important thing we need to realise is that that electrode is about to ex." The explosion happens, and the entire furnace that you feel, Brandy, just shudders and rocks. You can't see it, but you can imagine the wheels at the very front of the Nadorian Express tipping and bowing on the rails as they scoot and screech from one side to the other. Everyone inside the glass metallic office shakes and, and falls. The mini fridge falls on the floor no! and, and opens. The Pokedexes! The Pokedexes are out, and they're exposed to heat. It's happening. Oh god, I'm hot! Oh, It's warm! It's warm! <laughs> Put me in the mini fridge! And you can see now there is a giant hole in the side of the furnace, exposing air and wind. The Meowstic Lady's cage has now flung out to the side of the train. It's now in the air, being battered by the, the wind and everything of the train moving. Some of the Meltan are desperately clinging on to the scaffolding. It's, it's almost like when something explodes in a spaceship and the airlock opens and there's like all this rushing... <laughs> wind and everything trying to sort of pull them out the other thing that happens unfortunately is that part of the glass office 
shatters. So there's now an opening into the furnace. So suddenly, where you had this quite nice temperate climate... That was apparently still too hot for the Pokedexes. These Pokedexes <laughs> are so mollycoddled. They're really, really sensitive. But yeah, the temperature change, the pressure change, everything has just exploded everything into life. You see reporter Ulma dashing for the, the elevator section, hitting that button on their own, just trying to get it, get it going. Arnard is knocked back against a spinny chair. Ruth is knocked unconscious somewhere. Brandy, you have been knocked backwards as well you're prone what do you do i'm panicking now because i imagine is the elevator just going up the elevator is starting to move yeah i am seeing this meowstic lady just being batted around is the train what's the speed of the train like are we are we slowing down are we or has it affected the furnace you're no mechanic but you can see that the furnace has been significantly damaged and although the train is still moving at quite a pace at the moment it looks like it's been damaged to an extent that with a significant period of time the train will come to a stop okay brandy she says to arnold Arnold, quick, we've got to get that woman out of there. Get the the Pokemon out of there. How can we get out into that furnace? Well, we have suits. We have suits. Give it to me now. My skin is burning. My skin is literally burning from this. But the thing is, we only have two suits. We have Ruth's suit, we have my suit. And Ruth's Ruth's unconscious. What do we do? Uh, I'm going to try and stop the elevator. How are you doing that? I'm doing it the brandy way, which is the... uh, I'm kicking it. (laughs) I'm just going to try and smash some buttons. Okay. I think you're acting under pressure. So roll plus cool. All right, my plus one cool... Two fives plus one Ooh, eleven. Yes! Oh, lovely. Okay, you do what you set out to do. So what were you what were you attempt to do? Just stop the elevator. I was going to suggest that actually I grab a bit of the debris, and I imagine as the elevator's going up, I shove a bit into it to it just so it just shudders to a stop. Perfect. You grab a bit of a bit of glass or something that had been broken in the explosion, shove it in like a wedge, and stop the elevator, which creaks. <laughs> and grinds to a halt. And I'm sort of shouting at Alma and being like, I can't believe you're going to leave us like this. This is outrageous. Arnold, get the unconscious girl. Get Ruth. Get Ruth. Put her in. Put her in the lift. Okay. Alma Alma is trying to kick kick the debris off, kick you off. (laughs) But Arnold, Arnold successfully manages to kind of like shove Ruth onto the elevator platform just as Alma is like kicking your your bit of debris out. And Ruth is put onto the platform and goes, as the elevator disappears upstairs. Oh. What a lovely, lovely friend you got there. Am I right, Arnold? We we don't need to talk about that now. Let's get let's get in the suits. Yeah, give me the suit. Give me the suit. Ali and David, what do these what do these heat resistant suits look like? I'm just imagining the suits from Monsters Inc. <laughs> no, those like the yellow, yellow the yellow suits. Yeah, I'm imagining like a deep sea diver, but make it hazmat. Are you saying they have three arms, Ali? Yes, they do have three arms. They're designed specifically for barbarical. <laughs> Who are the usual the usual employees here that would enter the furnace? <laughs> if only I'd sent that barbarical out into that furnace earlier, maybe. That was the irony, David. That was the they would have been absolutely fine. <laughs> maybe the third arm is a robot arm because it's too Ooh. hot in the furnace. So there's this oh, that's there's this super this arm that can withstand super hot temperatures if they need to. Oh, excellent! Yeah. Okay, great, great. You get into these these yellow suits with robotic arms and appendages. Arnold, we need to cover up that hole. The train's slowing down, but things are going to get brushed out. Are you with me? I'm, I'll, I'll do anything to save this train. Nice. I care about the train? Sure. Not about the people? Fine. We'll go, again, not the time. Not the time. But we, we'll talk about this later as well. Don't mark my words. And I use the robot arm to do it like, I'm looking at you. I can see you. Okay. Arnold turns to you, Brandy. And there's a com link between the two suits. It, it also explains why Arnold's voice is, is permanently changed to my pitch. Um... <laughs> 
Okay, here's here's the plan. We need we need to get we need to get the Meltan servants. If we use all of their bodies to block up the hole, some of them get, may get sucked out and probably uh, maybe damaged. But I think that's fine. We just need to block that hole right now. What? No, that's mad. Some of them are just going to get completely destroyed with by that. That's a terrible idea. Well, what do you suggest? Well, rather than that, we need to look for a big piece of the actual debris and just cover up the hole. There's got to be a way to do that rather than just use them as a human shield. What kind of monster are you? I'm no monster. I'm simply a pragmatist, Brandon. You're gonna kill all these Pokemon for no reason! We've gotta try another option! They're, they're just Pokemon. They're tools, Brandon. They're more important than this train! This train doesn't breathe! This train doesn't, isn't alive! They are this train! This train is my life's work, Brandon! Your life's work has just exploded already! You've lost the train! We will as well at least try and save the Meltan. No, I haven't! I haven't lost the train! Not yet! Okay, I'm gonna try and convince him. I'm trying to convince okay. him. Okay, manipulate someone. So roll plus charm. So seven plus one, it's an eight. So Brandy, they'll do it, but only if you do something for them right now to show that you mean it. So you can see, you can see that Train Chief Arnard is like so focused on just saving the train, they'll sacrifice anything and anyone. Right. Okay. So I don't think I'm going to convince Arnod that my plan's better. But what I think I can do is get my plan going first, so he's not really got a chance. So what I do is I snatch his helmet off and I just throw it into the furnace. Uh, I just throw it, sort of, not so it's ungettable, but just that he has to go and get it. And then I run, and I'm going to try and command the Meltan before he can. Oh gosh! Okay, so you you're, you're ripping his his helmet off in yeah. the furnace. Yeah, I'm imagining I'm imagining it's not going to be an instant disintegration. For the sake of the PG-13 podcast, no, <laughs> it's not. But you don't know that. You didn't know that when you ripped the helmet off. We survived with a hole in the glass thing and not wearing the heat suits for a while. Fair. So I Fair know it's it's really hot. But I, it's not yeah. going to completely destroy him immediately. He needs to get the helmet on, obviously. Okay, great. So you rip the helmet off, chuck it across the room. It lands next to one of the one of the broken turbines that's fallen on the floor. <laughs> I shout, we're doing my plan first. You can either be with it or, or go get your helmet. Just try and stop me, Arnold. And then I run off into the, into the furnace. Okay, Arnold obviously desperately runs after the helmet before his entire face catches fire. Man, this is good. I feel like the pace, the pace is flowing. Thanks for that in early six, Tom, because that's really set things in motion. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, early failure. Well, that is my nickname at home, the early failure. So we cut to the S-Class train lounge where Kenny and Melissa have just seen Hammersplat reveal themselves to be the Team Nautilus administrator, Taronius Chunder. Taronius Chunder has just released a giant wheezing into the room, which is filling the room with a noxious, horrific gas. Kenny and Melissa, because you were in the karaoke booth, you were the furthest away from this, so you witnessed this happen. But you see this gas swirl and swoom around the entire Caribbean blue entourage and salad over in their dark, dark corner, and you see them coughing, choking. <coughs> Quite quickly, you see them go down unconscious, and you see this toxic, seeping gas start crawling towards you across the floor. Kenny, what do you do? Stu, do I remember the button that Caribbean blue pressed? that opens up this 
this cart for the stage that me and Caribbean Blue fought on. Because if I remember correctly, yeah. the cart opened up into like a sort of Super Smash Bros-esque arena on the side of a train, which would hopefully maybe dispel some gas. Nice, I like it, I like it. Roll Act Under Pressure for me. Plus one to cool, so Act Under Pressure. Oh my god, <laughs> I got a seven. I literally just succeeded. Ooh, hard choice, worst outcome, price to pay. Mm. Okay, here's the, here's the hard choice. You can go and press the button, but it means that Melissa will fall unconscious. Oh god. Okay, okay, so they throw open the curtain of the karaoke booth, just in time to see this uh, gas seeping over. Other trainers, all 27 of her... Caribbean Blue's entourage drop down. I can see Melissa's eyes start weeping and she starts coughing. And I also see the button. Kenny is going to... He's got to save his sister first. Have we established that the karaoke booth is curtained or or doored? Because it could just be that you... It's do- no, it was it was doored. It was like a special soundproof booth. Because you could just lock a fainting Melissa or a about to faint Melissa in there, basically, as a kind of... Oh, interesting. Okay, well, that yeah, that does change things. In that case, I shove Melissa in that room. <laughs> <laughs> so you just grab, grab her, just chuck her in. Yeah, I basically. Kenny, great, what great. are we gonna do? What's your plan? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, just stay in there. Close the door. Okay. And and uh, and, make... and sing along to American Pie. <laughs> it's like nine minutes long. <laughs> and uh, reach reach for that button to hopefully dispel some some gas. In saving your sister, you've done that. You've put her in the bu- in the booth, but the 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 button now is is surrounded by this toxic swirling mist. So in order to get to that button, you'll have to do something. Maybe make another roll okay. to like, effectively push the button. I know. I know what I do. Okay, Kenny. Kenny sees this ru- this gas filling the room. And- Weezing. So Kenny's first thought is to release Dartrix, to release Bowtie, to dispel some uh, some of the gas. But Dartrix has gone down. No, oh, no. In the battle, I do have another bird Pokemon. So Kenny sends out Fedora, the Honchcrow. Fedora, the Honchcrow. Okay. For her first sort of foray under Kenny. Fedora. Please flap your wings, do something, anything, so that we don't both go down under this poisonous gas. If you have some sort of whirlwind effect, that'll be really useful right now. Hodge crow! Hodge! Hodge! Good point, but I still want you to do what I said. Ali, will you roll uh, a create an advantage for me with Hodge crow speed? With Hodge crow speed, yeah, sure. There's a plus one to speed, but I shall roll anyway. What's he rolled? He's smiling! He's smiling! Ah! It's two sixes, baby! Two six plus one. That is a 13 for Honchcrow. Oh my goodness. I say you knock out Weezing as well. Let's just go. <laughs> <laughs> who was who was the person who owned Honchcrow? It was the it was the um, the gym leader, wasn't it? The dark gym leader. Was it the really the really long lanky gym leader? Ruin. Ruin. So what I'm thinking happens with the double six is that Kenny? I don't know. If, I don't know if it's something in your dark power, latent that you didn't even know you were using, or if it's something to do with the swirling toxic mist. But you're in Honchcrow's eyes. Your body seems to morph into this long, lanky figure. It's almost as if Kenny and Ruin are one and the same. And your voice, Kenny, almost sounds like Ruin's voice. And Honchcrow is like, "My master, I, 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 of course, of course, I will do everything to protect my master." And Honchcrow's eyes morph into this dogged determination, and they just turn to face the wheezing. Ali, it's a, it's a double six, mate. So give me some narration. What happens? I think um, Honchcrow starts sort of flapping its wings and it forms this mini twister right in front of itself as it then tennis serves it 
So it sort of throws up the cyclone a little bit and whacks the mini cyclone at Weezing in the centre of the room. The mist starts sort of spinning around until all the sort of purpley gas is sucked up into this cyclone. Weezing itself starts getting sort of battered and battered around and Kenny sees the opportunity. Kenny smashes the button. The room revolves itself, goes into that Super Smash Bros side of a train arena. Amazing, Fedora! You can let it go now! Fedora listens and lets the cyclone disperse itself, wheezing completely befuddled. Wheezing! The gas start does start to spread, but as Kenny hoped, the speed in which the train is going, I know it's slowed down, but the speed in which the train is going does mean that it is leaving behind that trail of toxic gas, as the danger looks to momentarily have dissipated. Kenny turns around, and Tyronimus Chunder's claw starts lifting Kenny up by the neck or something. Oh, yes! Ali, Ali, you just gave me a hard move without even rolling. You just, <laughs> like, gift-wrapped it. It's like, yeah, Kenny's getting choked. Sure, sure. <laughs> All right, yeah, so he's not um, yet got me, because you're right. I just immediately put myself in a terrible position <laughs> with a double six. Can I say with a double six, though, that some of, like, as you suggested, Stu, some of Honchkrow's animosity that may have been there towards Kenny has has somewhat 100%. dissipated. I think, I think Honchkrow sees, yeah, does see a darkness within Kenny that they identify with. Just as a pure happenstance with the double sixes that Kenny actually does look a bit like Ruin. Dark, dark, lanky, pale, yeah. Not as tall, maybe, but... Definitely, I think Kenny maybe looks a little bit like Ruin. Just to remind any listeners who might have forgotten, Ruin is a gym leader, a listener NPC that was submitted a couple of episodes ago, uh, a dark-type gym leader within the Formia region, who has lost their honchcrow. And that honchcrow is now with Kenny, explaining why this, this whole conversation is happening. Who's that Pokemon? <laughs> Quick, guys, duck, duck, guys, duck. Oh. Just over that hill. What have you seen? I have managed to resurrect midsections. And we're here in midsection park. My if you God. look over that hill, you might just catch a glimpse. I slowly remove my glasses with a shaking hand. They do move in hurts. I give you the midsection. This is that moment where I reveal that I've never seen Jurassic Park. Oh, Hold on. Whoa, God. what? Oh Wait, we can't God. do a midsection. Is... We can't do a midsection now. We just need to talk to David about <laughs> Jurassic Park. David, you professionally review film. Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> how I review films is I go, better or worse than Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to spoil you, David, but there are a lot of midsections in Jurassic Park, <laughs> and I'm going to give you one of them right now. Uh, this is from Philip. Hey guys, Philin here. I found out this podcast from a friend and I just checked you guys out and I love it. I had an idea for an NPC and an organisation that I feel would be great for your setting. Here we go. Midsection coming at you. Clever girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, it means nothing. It means nothing to David. Do you know how hard it is to have straight friends and to have not watched anything from the 80s? It's like the most heterosexual period in culture. It really is. That's the only, it's the only reason I came out, is because we just don't consume anything from the 80s. It's either the 70s or the 90s. Here we go. Joys Without Centres is a roaming group of medics for Pokemon. Humans too, but mostly Pokemon. They're officially recognised by the Pokemon League, especially when their leader is a former Elite Four. They do have a base for the seriously injured Pokemon and people to stay in for a bit and taken care of by the nurses and intern staff. But most of the time, it's the doctors that go out on the roads, forests and stronger ones on the more dangerous territory, all to help everyone recover. Maybe they even need to help out wild Pokemon. 
Uh, Darren is the founder of the JWC, Joys Without Centres, very good. Uh, former Elite Four, succeeded by Tyler, huge law drop there, was known as the Ogre during his time. I'll leave you guys to what his backstory could have entailed, but it involved the loss of either one of his Pokemon or, f- or a friend. Tom, I was I thought you were going to say his swamp. The Darren is Shrek. David, have you seen Shrek? <laughs> I have seen Shrek. Shrek okay, does... Okay, just to clarify. <laughs> I mean, I can't hear the name Darren and not think that this person isn't like a regional sales manager from... <laughs> from canterbury like do you know what i mean like like even though he's known as the ogre i think that this is a man who enjoys building model railways and watches gardener's world so the pokemon (laughs) that darren has is blissey of course medicham altaria rotom heart resuscitation or other electrical equipment lilligant aromatherapy and helping them sleep and levony bandages and precise surgical cuts i think joys without centers saved nursering they inspired nursing to go into a career in medicine. What happened, Tom? Well, here we are on Mount Silver in Johto. We're in Johto. Yep. Oh my goodness, uh, we're in Johto. Nursing okay. is from Johto. Okay. <laughs> God, and... we went there so fast. <laughs> we just hopped on that magnet train. <laughs> <laughs> and nursing was in a bit of a bind, was following a lot of other nursing because this nursing was not like the other nursing. This nursing, and I'm referring here to nursing, of course, Teddy, wasn't interested in hunting and gathering and doing the bear things that bears do. What What are the bear things? I felt like that list could have been longer. What are the bear things <laughs> the slashing. were there for them to when do? You, uh, when you prick a pear with a big paw, try to use the claw. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Nursery had no idea what Keith was talking about when he told him <laughs> you should do that. Teddy was following up their sort of group uh, up a mountain, let's say, when they were going to forage, and got separated and just suddenly, I don't know, rock slide. Who? Who used rock slide? A random... Graveler on the I was just about to say Graveler. It's yeah. and yeah, Graveler just started pushing nursery and then used rock slide. Poor Teddy was trapped under some rocks, and then all of a sudden who appeared? Joys without centres. Levany tore that Graveler a new one. Darren nursed Ursaring back to health. Teddy's eyes were opened. This is my future. This is what I've got to do. But Love here's that. a question for you guys. Why did Nursering not join Joys Without Centres then and there? What forced Nursering from Johto to Formia. There are so many Ursaring in Johto that the attempt to try and become a medical Ursaring was just so loaded, so loaded with stigma, just just from general people. Like nobody in Johto would be treated by an Ursaring. It would be like an adder trying to like drive a car in England. I don't know, it'd just be absolutely <laughs> ludicrous. But there are maybe. You know, David, I don't think exactly. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Ursaring are so uncommon in Formia, if not not in the regional decks at all, except for maybe the one that Phillips is friends with. And this one, that as a result, <laughs> that as a result, there was just no concept of an Ursaring even being dangerous. So like Teddy, that. Teddy went to every single region before Formia as well. Formia was lowest on Teddy's list of places to go because it was the furthest away. Yeah. It was like he's got the far. worst healthcare in the whole Pokemon world. <laughs> he tried to get he tried to get traded to Kanto, but he just couldn't. It just didn't work backwards. So it just. Uh... <laughs> So that gives Nursery the origin. What I'm interested in is Darren now, and why why Tyler succeeded Darren as an Elite Four member. And why is Darren known as the Ogre? And why is Darren known as the Ogre? These are the real questions. Well, they've given us a clue as to why uh, the Ogre went into Joyce without sentence because they lost a Pokemon or friend. Isn't Tyler in some way involved in the Kappa Corp larger... Stealing, so, stealing Pokemon. Maybe he thinks that his Pokemon died of an illness, but actually Tyler just smuggled them out of the hospital while they were sick. And so the ogre's entire modus operandi is I need to heal Pokemon to save 
my Pokemon that was taken from me, but actually that Pokemon is still alive. It's just been pirated oh, off to somebody else. I love that. And it was their sort of, it was their partner Pokemon, their go-to. So they couldn't be in the Elite Four without their signature Pokemon. So it was a Cap- it was a Capricorp subterfuge to get this Pokemon out and get Ogre out of the Elite Four so that Tyler could go in. Oh, that's cool. Okay, so then here's the question. What incredible Elite Four partner Pokemon does Capricorp now have? Of Darren's. Could it be a Grimmsnarl? Because that feels ogre Or it could be a Mudbray. I was going to say that with the Shrek stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think I prefer Mudbray. Just because... <laughs> Mudbray. Not even Mudsdale. Not Mudbray. Mudsdale. No, this Mudbray is stage three. It's just absolutely... <laughs> absolutely okay. This Mudbray, this Mudbray could talk. That's why they wanted it. That's yes. why they were so obsessed with this Mudbray. And he was known as the Ogre because there was a popular film series in Johto where Darren's from about an ogre and a donkey. Called Shrek Leon. <laughs> yes, there he is. So Donkey the Mudbray is still out there somewhere. Um, great. Well, thank you so much for that, Philin. I hope we did Darren justice and George Without Centres. What a cool idea and great organisation. If you have an idea... Doesn't have to be a character. Could be an organisation. Could be a town. Could be an item. Um, could just be a suggestion. Who knows? Uh, get in contact with us. Criticalditto at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at criticalditto and give us your suggestion. We'd love to hear it and butcher it as we did with probably Darren. Sorry, <laughs> Philip. <laughs> and the rest. And the re- and all the other ones we've done up to this Doctor, point. Dr. Malcolm. Dr. Malcolm, the midsection's coming up fast. Must go faster. Must oh, go no. faster. Oh, David, what coming. We, David, what do we do? It's coming. David, Tell what us, do David. we do in the next scene? I'm, I'm going to presume that we go faster. I, I presume. <laughs> I presume it would be They do, much. they do. They, they do. wouldn't be much. faster, David. <laughs> What's a zoom? <laughs> Who's that Pokemon? <laughs> it's wheezing. We cut back to the front of the furnace, because I think Theo's is going to be tied into that scene very shortly. But let's go to David. What do we think? Sorry, that was so, that was so commentary. Let's go. Let's go to David. <laughs> let's go to David with an update from the furnace. David, how's it looking in that fiery, fiery hellscape? <laughs> it's, not, it's not looking great, Stu, I'll be honest with you. Okay, but yeah, seriously, in the furnace, we've got this whole situation. Brandy has just chucked Arnold's helmet elsewhere. The Meltan are clinging on for dear life. Meastic ladies hang out from the side. The fires are burning. David, in Brandy's eyes, what would you say is the most immediate threat? Well, I guess Brandy's primary motive in that entire situation is that she has a personal stake in making sure that Meowstic Lady survives. Meltan's living, great, wonderful, like... I mean, there's, there's, like, as she said, Pokemon have heartbeats, Pokemon have breaths, let's make sure none of them die. But the primary aim here is to keep a human being from being thrown off a train at high speed. Maybe we've started to go into this forested region now and there's like branches coming into the side of the train as well and flipping bits of foliage that get incinerated in the flamey pits. But you can see this mash between the mechanical behemoth of the Doran Express and the nature outside mm. just clashing and crunching together. Brandy, what do you do? I need to look for a big enough thing to cover up the hole is my plan. So what I'd like to do is I'd, I'm looking, I'm using my eyes. And Brandy is using her eyes. Check a place out. Roll plus sharp, Brandy. God, it's a, it's a six plus one. Oh. It's a seven. Jeez. Okay. Jeez Louise. <laughs> so you get to hold one question. You can ask, what happened here recently? I, I, I really recommend that one. <laughs> what is about to happen? Ooh, fun. What Pokemon is nearby? What should I be on the lookout for? What here is useful or valuable to me? Oh, that's 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 a good one, isn't it? <laughs> that's the that's one really I'm good... using. Oh, okay. All right, fine. Are you what trying to sell me other questions, like some kind of question sales? <laughs> trying to sell what happened here recently when she saw everything that happened here recently. <laughs> yeah. What other things could explode, I wonder? Yes, what here is useful to me? 
Maybe it's the scaffold. The scaffold that the Meltan were working on has been blown apart. But you see, obviously, in the scaffold were, were poles, not wooden planks, because obviously they burn up, but metallic platforms, corrugated iron, seem to have been blasted apart by the explosion, but lay scattered around the flamey pits. They look like the most usable items in terms of debris and detritus around. Okay, great. So Brandy would like to get the Meltan to help her to lift up one of these big sheets of things to try and cover up the hole. I love it. I love it. Okay, Brandy, how are you convincing this army of subjugated Meltan to help you out in this moment? I think you said before that they were chained together. And I think their big issue at the moment is that they are... Or they can't really move anywhere. So even though they're, you know, some of them are flying off, but they, they can't, every time they try and do something independently, they can't, that causes one of the other ones to fall over and it's Makes all sense. absolute chaos. So I think Brandy is Milton, going to... Milton, Milton, Brandy's going to shout her plan. Just for the, the optics of this, she's screaming through the, the, the mask, but they can't hear her. The Meltan just can't hear her with the mask on. The wind's rushing, the, wind's the mask rushing. is on. Yep, so Brandy's yeah, yeah. like, oh, I've got to make... I think the the whole you know half the furnace is hanging out the train, so you know heat is escaping massively. So it's not dangerous, not you know it's going to hurt, but whatever. So Brandy is going to take off the helmet in front of the Meltan, take out the ruler sword that she has, and is going to say, "Help me, and we can survive this together." And she just, and she's going to try and break the main chain. With her sword. Break, breaker of chains. She's going <laughs> to slam it down with the ruler sword. So it's half Daenerys, half Braveheart, yeah. half Gladiator. Great. Okay. Follow me! I mean, if you want to. Obviously, you don't have to. I'm not forcing anything. I feel like you've, you've got an issue with chains and, you know, I'm not going to I'm not gonna put me on you. But just, just, please, I'm asking as a friend. We have a move here called Listen to Me, which, which feels good, but it's plus loyalty. And obviously, you don't have any loyalty with these Meltan. Fair. So maybe it's more manipulate someone? Yeah, I think so. Mm. Uh, yeah. Plus charm, I think plus charm works better. So roll manipulate the army of Meltan. It's a six and a three plus a one is a oh, ten. It's a ten. Oh, oh my goodness! So this is epic. She cuts the chain somehow out of just she manages to find a burnt away bit of the chain, and the ruler sword just cuts clean through. You cut the chains near this this older looking Meltan, Meltan Prime, the original Meltan. Meltan Maybe Prime. this Melt. This Meltan has a small gingery moustache. Suggests a bit of age, a bit of wisdom. Suggests but I think this the, is the Meltan from the vignette. This is the this is the original Meltan. This was Meltan uh, of of Arnold back in the good old days. Yeah, you you cut the chain near this this first Meltan, the one they seem to all look to. The chain breaks as soon as that first chain goes, and this original Meltan looks at their now free, spindly little metal arms, goes and stands next to Brandy. They all start to go as one. The Meltan. And we're all going to start trying to push the uh, the scaffold thing over the big the, hole. The debris, okay. To try and at least save Meowstic Woman. Okay, this is such a cool image of just the, all these Meltan and Brandy pushing against this, this detritus. Do I do one final roll? I think we do a final roll. This feels, this feels like a plus tough. I just feel like it's a big plus it's tough a roll. Plus tough. But, but take an extra plus one because of the Meltan helping you. Oh, all that for plus one forward. Love it. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Uh, so Brandy's plus two at tough, so it's going to add plus three to this roll. Ooh, nice. Okay, it's a three plus a two, so five plus three is an eight. So we do succeed. You do succeed, Tom. I have a suggestion. So I'd love it. I, a suggestion. Brandy does succeed, 
and the Meltan are all working together. We're all doing it. Brandy's face is kind of hurting now because of the heat. All of a sudden, Brandy is rugby tackled by Arnold, Arnold in an absolute rage. Meaning, yes. meaning the uh, the scaffold pulls away a bit, and the meowstic lady's cage falls out the train. What? <laughs> yeah. Wait, hang on. But your what? your objective oh my God, was what a your, failure. <laughs> yeah, your objective was to save her, and you just you just doomed her. Well, I guess I mean, I guess the objective was to seal up the train. Well, which that's what I... I was thinking. I was thinking that maybe we succeed in sort of sealing up the train, and meaning that no one else is going to get. I mean, to be, cost. to be honest, it has been two episodes since we killed someone, so why not? Like, <laughs> exactly. I don't, do you know what? I don't think it's necessarily potentially lethal. I think the train has slowed down enough by this point. So yes, you're pushing this debris, this detritus, against the, the opening, the chasm within the, the train. And as you say, you see the meowstic lady realise what you're doing and realise your attempt to try and, and, and save her. And she realises it's the person she hit with a side beam, but understands that in you trying to help her, there's this acceptance and forgiveness. And in, and in so doing, she starts to channel this power within her to help, to aid, to use her psychic energy to pull this, this metallic contraption against the side of the train and maybe stop this rampaging wind and fire. But Arnod, out of nowhere, helmet now firmly attached back on, comes and tackles Brandy. And that little slip, that little juncture in the pushing allows for the Meltan to slip a little. And the Meowstic Lady realises that just too late and the chain breaks. But Brandy, just as you go, you see her using a little bit of that psychic energy to, to cushion her fall into the foliage as her cage disappears into the trees. The last you see of her is nestled away in some foliage. She looks damaged, but she's not taken out. But the train speeds away and you now have Arnod on top of you, furious in your face. What are you doing? What are you doing? Arnod's going to command Meltan to attack you. What do you do? He's going to he's going to command the original Meltan to attack you. You're insane! Stop doing this. We need to cover up the hole. We need to finish covering up the hole. We're all going to die. And I'm going to I'm going to command the Meltan. <laughs> it's a command off. Okay, it's a command off. Okay, let's roll. I guess it's another manipulate someone. Uh, so plus charm. Okay. What do you say, Brandy? I think, okay, so Brandy notices that this Meltan has a little red moustache, much like, and is the leader of the Meltan. Meltan, you have to listen to me. He's not got your best interests at heart. Maybe he did once. I don't know. It must have been to create all this, but you've been in chains for long enough. Let's just, let's just save ourselves. Save yourself for once, okay? Just do it for yourself. Great. Roll. Six plus one, seven. Plus, plus one, so eight. Eight. Manipulate someone. Got to prove it again, haven't I? <sighs> <laughs> Just got to keep proving these things to these stupid Meltan. In order to prove it to Meltan now, Brandy takes the ruler sword and is just going to swing at Arnold, who, in his panic, grabs Meltan. Grabs one of the Meltan. Try, one of the Meltan. Maybe not best friend Meltan. Meltan but one Prime. of the other Meltans as a shield. And Brandy Love stops it. the sword just before hitting the Meltan. <laughs> puts it away just without even looking at Arnold and starts trying to lift the scaffold, hoping that the Meltan are going to join her. Arnold is like, no, 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 you, you don't understand. I, I, I was just t trying to, I, I would have grabbed anything. I would have grabbed uh, the, that fan. This And it's almost like uh, the Meltan just look at Arnold and, and realise, realise what they've been put through, realise that this desperate, desperate man has been forcing them against their will to, to act and to work under pressure under environments they should never be subjected to for years. 
And it's like it's like a, a window has been opened. The key has been unlocked. And Meltan Prime is the first to do it. And just looks at Arnov with this sadness in their little metallic eye. Remembering what they had. Remembering the dream that they once had. And realising what it's become. And how much Arnod has been taken over by the pressure of the train. The enormity of the train has dwarfed Arnod. Has crushed him. We flash back to the vignette. It'll be you and me forever, Meltan! We're going to get this train going. By any means necessary. And suddenly those words mean so much more now. And the flashes, the flashes of those reporters' cameras melt away and become the flashes of the fire pits. And that Meltan just turns and starts to push the, the scaffolding up near Brandy. And as he does, the rest of them start to push as well. Arnold's like, no, 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 you don't understand. We, we need to keep the train moving. The, 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 the fans, the turbines. And in that moment, you feel the train slow and slow and slow. The wheels... And the wheels start to stop. Arnold's like, No! My train, it must move! It must move! And Meltan Prime just just punches him out. So Theo, you said you were on the way to the S-Class train yes. lounge. I think that's where we find you, outside the S-Class train yeah. lounge. You felt this rocking explosion at some point on your journey down that has absolutely shaken you in your boots. So you realise something is going down. Tom? I think as Theo and Enya were making their way down the train, they noticed that people are still, all the passengers are still trapped in their carriages. So there's been 100%. no, they're almost locked in. So there's a lot of people being like, get me out. Hey, Yeah, you, especially you since there. the explosion. They felt the train slowing down and they are panicking a little mm. bit and definitely knocking on the windows, appealing to you, Theo. Let us out. Let us out. What is happening? What is going on? As you make your way down to the S-Class train lounge, unless you want to stop and do anything. No, I think Theo is the kind of pragmatist who's like, these people aren't going to be useful in this situation. Like, they're safer locked <laughs> I in. I knew you'd do you say know what that. They're, like, they're, not, they're not only useful, but they are safer locked in these. Like, let's just head down. And I think maybe when the explosion is felt, there's a there's a bit of a guarding of Enya in that moment. Kind of knowing that she's going to feel really guilty as soon as it happens. There's a kind of, there's a kind of squeeze that goes on. Theo, you reach, you reach the S-Class train lounge and you can hear there's some commotion going on inside. You can see, like, wisps of smoke just coming out of the door yeah. underneath into the into the small gaps. You see this access panel. What do you do? Um, has the carriage now expanded outwards at this point, or is it still still contained within itself? I think it has. I think it has. So maybe the, the smoky wisps that you saw were, uh, actually get sucked back in at one yeah. point, uh, suggesting whatever has happened with Kenny has already happened. Cool. Theo has little interest in trying to like figure out the code of this door, trying to use like I mean we need to get in. That's the most important thing. Like even though we no longer need Kenny to try and control the electrode in any way, the most important thing is to is to team back up. Theo gets Meditite out and says, Meditite, could you telekinesis this door open? Meditite? <laughs> I could try. <laughs> That's all I can ask. To be honest, to be honest, Theo, I don't know what the limits of my power are. Nobody does. I've got a garlic for a head. Who knows? You know what? You controlled a train earlier. I think we could figure this out. So let's do it. Meditite. Meditite. All right. What 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 move is this? Create an advantage? Yeah. Okay. So roll. I think I think for this one, because it's like under Theo's guidage as well, you can either choose to roll Meditite speed or you can roll your Cool. I'm going to roll my cool, which is plus one. I mean, what's Meditite speed, actually? What am I, what am I doing here? What's... Uh, yeah, well, let's, let's work this out. <laughs> what am I doing? On the Pocket Monster of the Week, it's, it's just plus one again, so... 
Same you know gift, what, I'm going to give Metasite the, the credit on this one and give Metasite, uh, so it's 2d6 plus 1, Bish Bash Bosh. Ah! Oh! 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 the system! Okay, so I rolled a 4 and a 6 plus a 1, so we rolled an 11. Metasite's opened that door. That is a hearty success. Tell me what Metatite's incredible efforts to open this door is. Is it Metatite suddenly reveals they have incredible hacking skills, or do they use psychic energy? What what does it look like? Metatite kind of looks at the situation, looks at the panel, looks at the door, looks at a variety of things, and Metatite's like, you know what, I've not been able to be very forceful recently. There's not been a huge amount of showing off the fact that I am both brains and brawn. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna wing it. And Metatite goes over to the door, puts a hand against the door, and Uses a sort of uses psychic attack in general, um, and in the process of doing it, the entire door just crumples into a tiny ball of metal in the middle of where the door it just crumples right into like a tiny tennis ball sized amount of metal. And Theo is just like, "Well done," and Meditate is like, <laughs> "Oh my sloking, I am amazing!" Like Meditate. <laughs> This is like this is the greatest thing that has ever happened to Meditite. This is this is Meditite's every slow festival come at once. So Meditite is, is, has this now metallic ball, mm. which I guess they, they they keep on their person, yeah. which is pretty yeah. cool. And you see the S class train lounge in all its glory. Uh, it is open at the moment because obviously the, the the arena section has been opened by yeah. Kenny. And you see Tyronius Chunder approaching Kenny with the claw, looking as if he's about to go and crunch him around the neck. What do you do? Meditite, I I know that we're not particularly good at sports, but how about you try and strike a home run on that guy over there? And so he's going to ask Meditite to use psychic powers to just like throw that metal ball at Thelonious Chunder's head. Great. Okay. So I guess I guess it's a, a kick some yeah, frost. Yeah, I think so. Does Meditite have any bonuses to physical attack? Meditite has a bonus one to attack. Okay, so it's a, this is a plus two for this roll, David. Oh. oh. So Meditite gets a six plus a two plus a two. <laughs> For a ten. Oh, Meditite is killing it. David, David's rolls are suspicious at this point, and because they're in the chat, we can't argue. But you, <laughs> you're a coder. Argue. You're a coder. Okay, Kenny. Tyronius Chunder is approaching you menacingly with a claw. Oh God. Right. I thought there were three S-class trainers on this train. Caribbean Blue, Salad, and Cassius Flash. And you, my lad, are certainly not Cassius Flash. Where is he, boy? Tell me. And he's just bringing the claw up to you, Kenny. And this metal ball just connects with Tyronius Chunder in the side of the head. And Tyronius's eyes go a little bit wider. And the claw that had just been around your neck just loosens. And you see Tyronius crumple to his knees and fall down in that kind of child's pose, butt in the air, um, <laughs> hunchback also in the air, and his eyes are still like open in unconsciousness, but he's just down, completely wiped out by this incredible metallic tennis ball that Meditite has thrown. David, what does Meditite look like? As, as, if Kenny turns his head... Theo pats Meditite on the shoulder, but quickly runs to Kenny, because I think that is... I think the sight of the scene, Theo is like, oh my god, Kenny was... Almost in a really terrible situation, so Theo runs over. Meditite, meanwhile, is effectively just doing like a little kind of like little dance, little dance of joy. <laughs> it's like it's just, Meditite is basically doing uh, the boxer section of the Rich Man's Frog from uh, Sweet Charity, <laughs> and it's just doing a little a little dance all on their own in the corner. And doesn't mind, like doesn't mind that they've been left to this. Meditite is just like you know what, what an absolute savage. And you and you goes to Meditite. I thought that was really cool. Meditite, meditite. And meditite is saying, "I also thought you blowing up a train was really cool, but I'm not going to talk about that." But uh, and yet, it just seems like meditite's <laughs> going, "Thank you." <laughs> if there were subtitles, meditite is being a shady, shady little Pokemon. Okay, so Theo, you're running up to Kenny. 
And that's why you don't strangle people with a claw. <laughs> Theo, I am so glad to see you. I'm sure glad you showed him, Kenny. <laughs> I did I did absolutely nothing. Was that Meditite? Yeah, Meditite's really, really covered up chumps. In fact, actually, I'd like to regale you about a series of battles I've had in the last God knows how long. There is absolutely no time. Sure, sure. Did you feel, did you feel the train rock? What's happened? So, um, somebody, don't know who, don't point fingers at who, couldn't tell you who, uh, may have placed an electrode in the central <gasps> furnace of the train. Maybe that electrode has blown up and maybe the train is about to stop and maybe that's when Team Nautilus is going to attack us. Maybe that's some information I've picked up. Don't ask where, don't ask how. The most important thing is, Nautilus is coming. But good news, we seem to have knocked one out. One down. We do. But bad news, where's Brandy? Um, well... Ah. <laughs> uh. Good you don't question. know, do you? No, no, no. I mean, you don't know either. So really, we're all on an equal playing field here. Maybe I could try to find out if you wouldn't mind making sure I'm okay. Yeah. There's a muffled. There's a muffled banging on the karaoke door. Kenny. Oh. Do I still have to Melissa, come out, coming out, coming out, coming out. Uh, Theo, Melissa, Melissa, Theo. Oh. Um. Uh, hello. Hi. I'm. I'm the uh, stalwart person who's supposed to be helping your brother discover what's going on with him. Uh, lovely to meet you. Yes, the- right. Theo's, Theo's taught me a lot. There's actually another person in our, in our little group, and we we need to we need to find her. Can do you know what's do you know what's happening in this train? What what is going on, Melissa? This train is being attacked by a group of people called Team Nautilus. To our knowledge, there's something in the church carriage that they want, and we need to try and protect it. We've been sent here to try and save it as members of the Pokemon League. You see this man, the man that's knocked out, the man that unleashed that poisonous ball into the air. He's part of that team. Wait, 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 Kenny, Kenny, you're you're a farm boy. You're 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 a child. Are you sure you're the best person to be equipped to do this? In no way, but I seem to have stumbled upon it. I'm trying to do the right thing each step as I go, and it's led me here. Really, we really need your help right now, Melissa. Try to do the next best thing. Well, what's the next right thing to do, Kenny? I, I mean, I don't know what's going on anymore. So, what should we do, Theo? It seems to me that we have two things we need to do. We need to find Brandy, and we need to protect that church car. Because Agreed. let's face it, that church car is going to be the focus. Now, I can feel the train slowing down. In fact, I can see the train slowing down because. Look, there's the outside. So yep, it's now it's now three <laughs> trees per second instead of six trees per second. I, I mean, I, I I'm with you. I'm with you. I can see that. I could find Brandy, but I'm vulnerable if I go into my dark void. Perhaps maybe you could go to the church car, Theo, and Melissa could look after me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Kenny, but that's just not going to work. I've I've been looking for you to look after you, and I'm not going to leave you now. We're all going to stand vigil over you, Kenny, while you do that. And maybe while we're all standing vigil, we can find a way to incarcerate this very large and dangerous man that we've also got here. But we can, we can, multi- we can multitask, can't we? Can't we, girls? Uh, yeah, Enya says, I've, I've, I've caused enough damage today. I, I, I would love to do some protecting rather than destroying. 
And Melissa's like, he's my brother! <laughs> like, I know, I know we've had some rough times and look, we've still got plenty to discuss, Kenny. This isn't over, you understand that, right? But yeah, I'm not leaving you in the middle of this chaos. There's the train, there's my job, and then there's my family. I'm sticking by you. In that case, you need to stick by me when you see me do something really, really weird. And Kenny is going to use Dark Void to try to find Brandy. Now don't forget me, and Bob Bobbington appears. <laughs> I'm with you, boy. All right, I'm so sorry. I forgot to turn my uh, my communicator off. Hang on, let me just uh, <laughs> let me just flick that switch. <laughs> Bob, we're signing off. We'll see you maybe never. <laughs> yeah, rolling two d six plus weird. Kenny is a plus two to weird, so I'm going to roll them now. I rolled a six and a two plus two. That's a ten. That's a ten, baby. Man, the rolls are good oh, today. The rolls are flying. Okay, so what does that what does that mean in terms of your your poker power? So on the outside, Kenny sits down on the on the floor and eyes go dark. He's about to go into his dark void, and then he he sees Hunchcrow looking quizzically uh, at Kenny, and Kenny flicks back to their the first time that he saw Hunchcrow and saw that little H, remembering that Hunchcrow actually is not a fan of the poker powered people. Oh, um, Fedora, you're amazing. How about a little rest? And returns Honchcrow, uh, looking at Theo somewhat awkwardly, going, might need to address that in the future. And <laughs> and goes into the dark void. So then eyes go black. In the dark void, Kenny tries, he reaches out to find Brandy within this dark void. And I think Tuki and Pete are sort of there to guide him in the right direction as he stumbles across her Stranger Things style. Tom, what 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 does Kenny see Brandy doing? So I think now that we feel the train stopping, Brandy and the Meltan let go of the scaffolding where they kind of there's no danger of anyone falling out and yeah. any objects falling out. So they're now on the scaffolding and if you'll permit a little I may. Her she's looking at the Meltan. Oh, Thanks so much. I, I know that was hard for you. Meltdown. And then, and suddenly, Kenny, you see Brandy's eyes go wide as she's looking out uh, of the big hole now that's in the train. She's looking sort of out and up. Uh, okay. Don't think our work is done today. Kenny doesn't see what Brandy sees, but says, Brandy? Brandy, can you hear me? Who said that? Who, who said that? It's... <laughs> It's me, it's Kenny. I'm in my dark void, I'm trying to find you. Oh, you're in the dark void. Oh, cool, void. so, what, is, so what, does, what does Brandy see? Does she just hear you, Kenny? Or do we see, like, a an apparition of Kenny in the furnace? Maybe or Kenny like... possesses a Meltan. I was thinking oh, the exact yes. same thing. Yes. A yes, 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 Meltan yes. just starts talking. <laughs> it's me! It's it, Where are you? Some of the other Meltan start to lift this Meltan up to Brandy's height, so it's almost like a humanoid Meltan kind of <laughs> pillar. Kenny, you're in a Meltan! I, I had... Brandy, I have no idea how this works. Just where are you? I'm in the furnace, Kenny. There was an electrode. It exploded. Um, we knocked out a man. Um, I'm heading to the church car because that looks like where that's going. I'll meet you there. I think all the Meltan are going to come with you. Brandy starts walking and this Meltan just almost form a line and just sort of follow. What are you doing? <laughs> Meltan Prime is at the front with the ginger moustache and is like, 
we don't we we have no purpose anymore. You are you know the one thing that we can follow in this situation. So we're going to follow you. I think all the Meltown follow me except for the Red, who stays with Arnold. Nice. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Of... We don't want to leave him. Yeah. Well, we can't just leave him burning in a furnace, can we? Yeah, I think, I think, the, I think the other Meltan... Yeah, dragging Arnold to we safety We see Meltan sort of gesturing... Putting him in the mini-fridge! <laughs> <laughs> we see the, uh, the leader Meltan gesturing the other little Meltan on... To go, To sort of yeah. go, and he's going to stick around with Arnold. Because, you know, they are partners. And yeah, it's like Arnold has gone off the de- deep end and is walking a, a dangerous path, but this is this Meltan's chance to kind of wrench him back. Brandy's like, gives that Meltan a nod. She gets it. Meltan. Now, now I've got a lot of Meltan. Have you looked outside? Uh, well, actually, we have looked outside. We can see, I can see a forest, and no, you... Kenny, look up, look up. Kenny, you're sucked out of your your dark void and you see Theo, Melissa and Enya all similarly with their eyes towards the sky looking out of this now open carriage, uh, looking up and Theo, how do you see Nautilus approaching the train? On what Pokemon are they riding? We see a, we see a storm first of all brewing. Uh, we see shadows within the storm. Um, and maybe Theo turns to Kenny and goes, um, remember when we talked about what Magikarp can evolve into? Uh, because... Uh, you're about to have an education in that. And then just a series of Gyarados are just coiling down through the sky. Excellent. So you see these giant Gyarados, yeah, maybe three or four Gyarados, just coming out of this giant storm cloud, the shadow growing and growing until this fearsome toothed face comes out. (laughs) Dotted on them are are small Nautilus grunts and, and their Pokemon clinging on swords raised they're like they're preparing for full assault and they are descending upon the train quickly behind them you see also approaching from the cloud something that makes your your brain hurt as you see the bow of a ship coming out of the cloud and it descends just low enough to see the giant octillery inflated above the ship like a giant balloon <laughs> drifting down through the cloud <laughs> <laughs> as it comes into view. But the Gyarados are bearing down now, coming in, and you can see they're about to drop troops down onto the train. Theo, Brandy's going to meet us in the church car. We need to go there right now. Okay, let's go. Theo looks to Meditite, who already, without even being commanded, has lifted up Thronius Chanda to carry them with us on our journey towards the church carriage. And as the crew leaves the S-Class train lounge on the way to the church car, they hear the small communication beacon on Tyronis Chunder blare into life and a voice crackle over the intercom. All troops prepare for boarding. Advance on the sloking church car and the tome will be ours.
That's right, folks. They are finally here. Team Nautilus have entered the fray. A new challenger has entered the arena. New arc, new possibilities, new big stakes. Who doesn't love some stakes? Uh, I'd like to do some thank yous, of course, as it's the end of the uh, the episode. So I would like to thank Monster of the Week creator, Michael Sands. That is the sort of base game that we use to create Pocket Monster of the Week, which we've adapted and ripped up into an entirely new game, but it's still got the heart of Michael Sands' original. So thank you so much, Michael. Uh, I'd like to thank Braxton Burks and the Materia Collective for the albums Canto Symphony and Johto Legends, and of course, Time and Space. Get all of them on Bandcamp immediately. And Glitch X City for some absolutely huge tracks. Check them out on their YouTube channel, Glitch X City. It would be remiss of me not to thank the creators of Pokemon, Satoshi Tajiri and Jinitsu Masada. So thank you to you both. Well done. Good game. Good game. Uh, I would like to remind everyone, though, that we are a fan-made, not-for-profit podcast and have no affiliation with Game Freak or the Pokemon Company. And thank you for listening. We have some exciting news, which I think we'll announce uh, next episode, probably, about sort of another step that the podcast is going to take, another sort of decision to try and advance ourselves further in this world, in this in this huge podcast multiverse. Uh, so listen out for that. And finally, I'd like to thank David, Ali, and the Game Master, Stuart, for playing the silly game that now feels less silly and feels all the more real when your characters are in jeopardy. So thank you all. And finally, go catch them all. And by all... I mean your dreams. And then a don't don't use that. Please find an explosion sound effect or something. No, you nailed it. Can we layer? Can we layer it? Can everyone do an explosion sound and then can layer on top? Okay. Can I try again? Whoa, 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 we're not doing two. We're not doing two each. I just wanted to bring some bass in. For, for the audience, we've been doing this for 45 minutes. <laughs>